This is PRN, your as-needed dose of medical knowledge. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. And I'm Chandler Davis. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. It is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or the practice of medicine. Views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Edward via College of Osteopathic Medicine or any other institution or employer. On today's episode, we get to speak with Dr. Mark Rogers, a sports medicine doctor in Blacksburg, Virginia. Hey, this is uh, Mark Rogers. I do family medicine, sports medicine here at VCOM. I'm an associate professor in family medicine in the Department of Sports Medicine. I think a lot of VCOM students would like to know what a normal week looks like for you. <laughs> I don't know if there is such a normal week. We wear lots of hats. So I've got hats from a teaching perspective here at VCOM. Obviously, that's my primary goal is to be here with you guys, teaching labs and doing all that kind of stuff. So I'm with you guys on Tuesday, Thursday afternoon giving you some lectures periodically throughout the year. So that's kind of my main hat. My second hat is the program director for the Primary Care Sports Medicine Fellowship. So kind of getting those fellows in here, getting them teached up um, so they can be primary care docs somewhere and do good things, take care of people. So kind of coordinate all that stuff from a coverage standpoint, a high school outreach standpoint, from Virginia Tech and Radford stuff, and then all their didactics and making sure they're hitting all of their margins and all of their landmarks and everything that they need to do kind of across their year so that they can be successful. So that's kind of my second hat. My third hat is really uh, Chief Medical Officer and Team Physician for Virginia Tech. So taking care of all those student athletes, both from a clinical side, from the sports med side, we're essentially their primary care docs when they're away from home. So we'll see everything from cough and colds to allergies to allergy injections to fractures and things that happen during the game or practice. So trying to coordinate care for that, both from the primary care and sports medicine, and then using our orthopedic colleagues to kind of funnel in that way if they're surgical kind of stuff. So from a clinical side, that's that. From my administrative side over there, um, we're involved with everything from approving policies for the whole department and NCAA liaison for some communication with that. And um, so a lot of things from administrative side that it's probably not my most favorite, but it's one of the one of the things with the job. And then um, my next lay, my next hat is really with um, teaching family medicine residents. So I, I precept in the family medicine clinic here in town in Montgomery. So kind of keeping my hand in some of the primary care stuff and teaching the primary care residents um, with their family medicine stuff, and then giving them the opportunity to do some advanced musculoskeletal stuff if they've got a patient because not all the family docs are comfortable. Um, with doing injections and ultrasound stuff and different things like that. So at least when we know, uh, if they know, at least when I'm in clinic, if there's an opportunity to do an injection or something, we're going to do it. So um, we can help the patient that day and the resident gets good opportunities to do some procedures. So that's another hat. And then I think my last hat um, clinically is really the team doc for the Pulaski Yankees. Um, so minor league team here in town. I've been working with the minor league teams over there for about 10 years. So kind of pretty much in daily communications with the athletic trainer over there, taking care of all those guys. Um, that usually runs from the summer, so it's usually June till about September. Um, so the athletic trainer's there with those guys every day. I usually get out there maybe a game a week or a game a home series sometimes, um, depending. And so taking care of those guys, so if they need anything from a primary care sports, MRIs, adjustments, communicating both with the trainer there and the, the staff, both in uh, hopefully Tampa and rarely with, with New York, their team docs up there. But most of the stuff is really kind of funneling through the training staff through there. So good opportunities, lots of cool stuff to do. And then obviously within VCOM, I wear a lot of hats here as well. But 
that's not what you guys want to hear about. So you want to hear about the cool stuff. Um, so, you know, I think doing, for me, every day is a little bit different. So if you look at a typical week, um, it may be a Monday morning, I may be in training room clinic taking care of those guys, and Monday afternoon I'm in our BSOM, Sports and Osteopathic Medicine Clinic, and then a Tuesday I'm in the training room, and then usually we have some didactics for the fellows, either in the morning at 7 a.m. or over 12.30, so maybe a journal club, it may be a lecture that one of our faculty is doing, it may be a lecture since we have a sports fellowship at Auburn too, they may be doing a lecture and we're doing it by Polycom, and then we're teaching you guys, and in between all there, depending on the season, I may be at football practice, standing on the sidelines, going over there for injury clinic after, or you know, whatever else needs to be done. So for me, it's cool because I'm doing a lot of different things. I'm not in the same place every day, and it keeps me out of trouble a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you have an aspect of that that's your favorite, or it's just everything kind of you know fits a different part of your personality that you enjoy? I think uh, I could not be in the office Monday through Friday. I couldn't do the same thing every day. I love primary care. There's no way I could do just primary care. I like the sports aspect. So for me, really the keys and one of the reasons why I decided to stay here after fellowship was really, number one was the teaching aspect, to be able to teach first and second years in the classroom, third and fourth years in clinical stuff and residents and fellows. So I'm really teaching every level of learner, which is pretty cool. And then doing the sports stuff at Tech. That's the fun stuff. If it wasn't for the sports and the teaching, the other stuff you can probably do everywhere. But that's what makes this place unique is the relationships that VCOM has with Virginia Tech and Radford and high school and club sports and you know, everything else. We can do a lot of different things, uh, which makes the job pretty cool. So I think a lot of people really know your role mostly as working with football teams or doing a lot of sports things. And I think osteopathic students in general, you know, we have a good knowledge of the body in the sense of like MSK stuff. But how did you get into this role i think so many people are interested in like how do i get more involved with sports for me i grew up playing sports i was a multi-sport athlete just anything i could do with the ball was great um, running outside all summer and when i was at home and growing up and um, soccer basketball on track through high school and then soccer in college and so for me i always just navigated and kind of always wanted to be involved with sports and so when I was looking at med schools, initially I wanted to do anesthesia because that was the first shadowing doctor I did. And I thought it was cool being in the OR and seeing all the sounds and the pumps and the medicines and all the stuff that goes into it. So um, I shadowed when I was in high school. That was the first doc I shadowed. And so I was like, this is pretty cool. But then once I got down to it, they're really not interacting as much with patients. And so I really liked getting back to the sports and being on the sideline and, and having that continuity a little bit more so. So... Um, when I was looking at all through college, when I was playing, we had a team doc, obviously, um, and really looking at med school, that's kind of how I was like, I really need to figure out a good way to do sports medicine. So I liked orthopedics and I liked primary care sports, and so I tried to figure out a way to figure out which way I wanted to go and how I could do sports and make it a career, which is pretty cool. So to me, I get to go and get paid to go stand on the sideline and watch a game. And if we don't have to work all game, that's awesome. We just get to enjoy the game. but. Even throughout the game, we're kind of watching for all that stuff and watching for loads of motions of sport or potential injuries and trying to anticipate. Because if we can see how it happened, we have a better idea of maybe what happened, what injury happened. So I knew I kind of always wanted to be on the sidelines and stay in the sidelines and be in the locker room and be around people that, number one, wanted to push their bodies and really maximize everything that they could do out of their body and wanted to get back on the field and stay healthy. So it's an easy population to work with in a lot of ways because they, in general, will listen to what we want to say as opposed to sometimes the non-compliant patients you may see in a primary care clinic. 
may just want to take a pill to do something rather than have to go exercise or go eat right or do whatever. So the sports population is the other extreme of that. So they always want to get healthy. They want to stay healthy. They want to stay on the field playing, which is pretty cool. What are the steps that you took to get to this role? So I knew nothing about osteopathic medicine until I was in college. So my college advisor said, well, what's your goals? And I came in, I said, hey, I want to do sports medicine. I want to do medicine. So he's like, okay, that's cool. And then about the next year, he's like, so your goal's still the same? And yep, goal's still the same. So then he started talking a little bit more about stuff. And as he got to know me over the next couple of years, he's kind of like, have you ever looked into this osteopathic medicine? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, and he's like, well, kind of, you know, getting to know you the last couple of years, you're, you're the kind of guy that doesn't like to take a whole lot of medicines, wants to kind of get to the root of the problem, kind of get to things. So he said, you ought to look into this. And so that's really the first time I ever heard of osteopathic medicine. And of course, after you start looking into it, I'm like, of course, we had family friends and other people that were DOs that I didn't even know were DOs. Always. It's yeah. a year. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. You're a DO? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was kind of cool. So then I started talking to them about it and was like, well, how'd you get into this? And et cetera, et cetera. But for me, I think the manual, manual piece and the integrated mind-body-spirit is definitely the key. If I can fix something with my hands instead of giving them an anti-inflammatory, that's a pretty cool thing. So that's kind of how I ended up looking at DO school. And so the first time around, I was in, in college in Charlotte and applying to some schools. And I got waitlisted at a couple. And um, so that's how I kind of ended up looking at doing a master's in Healthcare ethics up at Duquesne, um, Pittsburgh. Um, it was an early program. It was kind of a new thing within medicine with looking at healthcare ethics. And it was all clinical almost. So I had a little bit of evening hours, um, classes and stuff, and it was projects, but almost all of it was clinical stuff. So we were part of the founding, the ethics board at the hospital, and we did clinical rounds in the hospital, anything I could do to get clinical stuff. Um, which is pretty cool. And so I was definitely the young kid straight out of college. The rest of them were lawyers and priests and doctors and nurses and everybody who already had a career established and they were doing this to build on what they had. And here's me straight, coming straight out of undergrad. So, so it was kind of interesting. But to me, I mean, coming into that and gave me a different perspective on stuff. That was when I was in, math, in my grad school was the years when Kevorkian was going through a lot of his trials with physician-assisted suicide. And so that was a hot topic. And so I think it gave me a lot of good foundation from an ethical, philosophical standpoint on how to approach some things and gave me some good experience end of life and near death stuff. And to actually see some doctors working through that or to see the ethics committee working through that, it was a good modeling for me so that when I got put in those shoes as a resident in family medicine, I'd at least seen it, hopefully in a good manner and had some mentors along the way, which is pretty cool. So then I went back through another round of DO applications. And that time I was fortunate enough to get into a couple schools and I chose to go to Des Moines, University, which is great for me. I had a great online curriculum. Um, not much sports stuff at the time. There's not a ton of sports going on in Des Moines at the time when I was in med school. We, we covered some 5Ks and we did some other stuff, but there wasn't a whole lot of sports med exposure. But it was a, it was a great foundation of MSK and orthopedic stuff. And I did third year rotations in Cleveland, fourth year rotations in Charlotte. Uh, we had the opportunity to kind of go wherever we wanted to as long as we could get things approved. So took the advantage because we knew we wanted to kind of stay in the southeast. And then that's really where I kind of figured out orthopedics versus primary care. I really liked the OR, I really liked the orthopedic stuff, but I realized I liked the outpatient clinical stuff and getting to know the whole family and seeing better continuity and a lot of that kind of stuff and realized that athletes on the sideline, yeah, they're going to break things and they're going to have orthopedic issues, but primary care is a lot more, more of their day-to-day -day stuff. And the orthopedic issues. So I really kind of navigated towards the primary care route. 
So I ended up going to family medicine at Chapel Hill and then kind of entered that knowing I wanted to do sports. And so I took advantage of any opportunity I could to cover high school and cover UNC, you know, worked with a lot of the UNC team docs and trying to get into sports as much as I can, which kind of led me up towards become here for fellowship. So um, I think this is always a good point to think about is when, you, when I was a third year, I really got to know one of the interns pretty well at the hospital. Just kind of got along well and had a lot of good teaching stuff. And so I spent a lot of time with him and picking his brain kind of through my course. And so he ended up being the first fellow here at VCOM. So when I was looking at fellowship stuff and I'd stayed in contact with him for years, he's like, yeah, you have to go look at VCOM. It's a new program. I'm just starting up here, but there's some great faculty with Dr. Rollinson and Dr. Kerger and Dr. Sampson and some great guys there. You're going to really learn a lot of stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I've never heard of that program before. I've never looked at that, but came up here for an interview and met those guys and saw VCOM and you know, it was certainly, a, it was a great place and so I was fortunate enough to train up here for Sports Med Fellowship and then at the time of that, as we got through, then some opportunities came up here and had the opportunity to stay. So it's good. Now it's 14 years later. I really like Blacksburg then. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I know that, it, I mean, it sounds like you have so many different hats going on, obviously. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of steps that led you to here. How exactly do you manage all of this with the family life as well? I think that's something a lot of us either have kids, are married, or looking to have kids in the future. Like, how, how do you do it? It's not easy. For me, I think I wouldn't be able to do it without my wife. She's kind of a great foundation. She takes care of a lot of stuff when I'm out here working and traveling and teaching and all that kind of stuff. For We met when we were in grad school and got married between third and fourth year. No, actually second and third year. And so she's kind of been through the whole process with me. So without her, I certainly couldn't do all this stuff. We've got two kids, um, 14 and 11, so they're busy with stuff. And, you know, with me, for example, like a, a normal football weekend, like this weekend we play at Miami. I'll get, them on the, get the kids on the bus in the morning on Friday, go to clinic. Um, then we go through a walkthrough. Then we get on the bus, fly from Roanoke down to Miami, go through the game all day there. And then we'll fly back. So we're not going to... Four o'clock games, we won't get back in the box for until probably one or two o'clock in the morning. And then we'll get up Sunday, we'll go have injury clinic, and then we'll have practice. And so I may see my kids on Friday for breakfast, and maybe I can catch them Sunday, depending on how early they get up. Um, maybe a Sunday for breakfast, and then hopefully a Sunday for dinner. Um, and even on home games, it's kind of the same pattern because we'll leave. And so I'm trying to balance that stuff, and, and unfortunately, I miss some things with them, some of their activities, but. For me, I think having a supportive wife and family is key, and then trying to make time when I can. So you know, I think we get pulled in a lot of different directions from all of our patients and our coaches and our trainers and faculty and everything else, but I think obviously you gotta make your family part of the priority. I don't know that I'm a role model for that, but part of me is a workaholic, so I think that's a good thing, um, especially when you're wearing lots of hats, you gotta enjoy what you do. But I think trying to make time and having some special time with that. So. You know, whether that's, hey, every Monday we're going to have dinner, no matter what's going on, I'm going to be home for dinner. So if I don't finish my charts that day, I get them the next day. Um, so I think trying to do some of that kind of stuff, and I think in general we've been pretty successful throughout med school. Um, when I was, it was just my wife and I at the time, and hey, which night of the week are we having dinner? We're going to have, a, you know, have dinner, have a bottle of wine, a glass of wine, whatever, and we're just going to hang out with each other and catch up on what's going on during the week. Definitely have to make it a priority. Because there's a lot of times that they feel second best to whatever. I'm traveling with football, I'm traveling with whatever, and they're like, I wish dad was here. Or my wife says, I wish Mark was here, whatever. But 
So I think it's a matter of making sure that they feel important, making sure they feel valued, and making time for them. I think we're fortunate at Tech, a lot of times we can bring our kids in the training room. So Sundays, a lot of times I've got my kids running around the training room. Um, so when they were little, it was great. They had balls and little trampolines and things to jump around on and the rolly, the rolly stools that they can run around and make a path and you know race and race the trainers or race some of the, the student athletes or whatever. And so they really had fun kind of doing that and growing up around in that environment. Um, and I think it also gave them some good role models to look at. So, you know, whether it's student athletes or the trainers or whatever, I mean, their dedication to what they were trying to do and their work ethic, these kids kind of saw that stuff, which is kind of fun. So if we go on a bowl trip, the family comes along with. And so fortunately, you know, Coach Beamer was great about that. Coach Fuente is great about that, about trying to include the family anytime we can because all the coaches are the same way. It's, it's a similar lifestyle. They're on the road recruiting and all this stuff. So I think regardless of what specialty people go into, you just got to make a, make a point about it family is important and also your fun life whatever you're doing outside for relaxation whether that's exercise reading or whatever I mean you just need to make time for that so it's hard to like make time it's only but it's, so many it, hours in the day it's also nice to know I think to, it's something that you have to be cognizant about and yeah, that to know in the future that you're gonna have to work towards it too yeah. that it's not just gonna get easier necessarily but if absolutely. you just like keep it as a mentality starting now yep. When we get, you know, from email adds another layer to all that stuff. I mean, whether it's email from students or you know, work stuff or whatever. I mean, when I get home, I try not to look at any of that work stuff until the kids go to bed. And then after the kids go to bed, then my wife and I usually have a little bit of time together. And then once that's, you know, we have a little bit of time, then I gotta get working. So most of the fellows will probably joke about, you know, that they get emails from me at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning because I may not start a lot of that stuff until eleven or twelve o'clock. So you gotta be able to kind of compensate and adjust and get sleep when you can too. You guys are the same when you're studying, you know. Yeah, you may pull an all nighter, but the next day you gotta make that up somehow. So yeah. Trying to plan that stuff is sometimes hard, but yeah. You just gotta look at that and figure out which ways to do it to be successful. I think that's really good advice. Just fitting it in however you can, but also like giving people that are in your life the respect to give them their time. Absolutely. Absolutely. We always try to do a fun vacation every year with the kids too. So wherever that is, whether it's Disney Cruise or you know wherever, just do something fun so we can always get away. But get out of the country, then I don't have to take my cell phone. I don't have to answer any phone calls either. But good usually, move. <laughs> usually that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> so you did talk a little bit about like how you chose to be a DO. There used to be, and still partly is, the stigma about being a DO. Why did you still choose to follow a DO path instead of an MD path, especially seeing that there was even more stigma at the time of your application process? Yeah. I think, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say there was about 18 DO schools at the time when I was applying. Now I think there's 40 or 50, so um, it's definitely becoming more mainstream, which is awesome. Obviously, we're biased. I think the DO route is a great way to go, but I think for me, really, that holistic care was the big thing. And, and the incorporation of manual medicine. Of course, doing athletics over years, everyone has injuries, and so if there was something that manually someone could have done to me to get me feeling better, rather than just taking pills, I think that, that would have been awesome. So um, I really wasn't exposed, like I said, to DOs through my medical career, and, and or athletics career, rather. But I think if we had a DO there, it would be awesome. So I think if we look at some of the tech athletes now and the way our athletic program's designed over there, we have clinics Monday through Friday and a lot of times on the weekends. We have about 20% of those visits are just straight LT, which is awesome. So 
think we do a good job between our athletic trainers and us about educating our student athletes. Well, yeah, you can take a med, but sometimes if we adjust it, it might get better. And so and they've kind of bought into that model, which I think is awesome. They realize if they're if it's a track runner and they're running indoor track, it's banked, and they're all always going one direction, they're gonna get some somatic dysfunctions compensating for that. So hey, let's let's train the other way, run the other direction, or do some cross training or get on flat ground. But yeah, come in for adjustment every couple of weeks or whenever you feel like we need it. So, you know, hopefully we can help them perform better, hopefully we can help them feel better. So yeah, I think that was really the big draw is gave me an extra tool that I could treat and help people with. And so that's really kind of what led me towards that route. And then, you know, at the time, I guess from a residency standpoint, after I got into DO school, comics wasn't very well accepted in a lot of places. Um, fortunately, I was a very DO rich state, which helped in Ohio when I did that. Lots of DOs. When I went down to North Carolina, there was almost no DOs. None of the schools that are around here presently were there. So most people didn't even know what a DO was. And a lot of them, when I was looking at residencies, like, you know, I took Comlex because I'm a DO. I stayed all osteopathic stuff. And they're like, oh, we don't accept that. So there's a lot of residency programs that just kind of said, hey, we're not even going to interview you because you only took Comlex. So we don't know what to do with that, which is really unfortunate. So a lot of people have said, you know, hey, you're not a real doctor. Not an MD or a DO. I had a lot of people um, say, "Oh, you're an OD." Which is, it's an eye doctor, know, right? <laughs> so people get confused with that stuff too. So yeah. you know, I think the growth in osteopathic medicine in the last 15, 20 years has been awesome. So hopefully, at least more people are understanding what we're doing. I still think we can do better about that, and it starts with you guys as students. Really, you know, spread the word, do your outreach, do all that kind of stuff. Because um, usually, people that come see me in the office know I'm a DO. So those are the people that are great too, so I can spread word of mouth by patients. So one of the best ways I get referrals in my private practice is really by, by word of mouth from other patients. Hey, I saw Rogers and he did this and he didn't give me a medicine and he spent time with me, and, you know, therapeutic touch and all that kind of stuff. And so um, you know, a lot of times we'll get referrals and someone said, hey, so-and-so said you, you came in here and you worked magic or you did this or whatever. And so um, I think that's how we can change things and keep people educated. And, get more people at least aware of osteopathic medicine. Yeah, I recently heard someone say something along the lines of, uh, you're only a DO if you practice osteopathic medicine. Mm -hmm. I guess that probably is the best way for us to get rid of that stigma is to continue to practice the way that we're being taught to practice, spending time with patients, sure. using that therapeutic touch, mm -hmm. learning a lot about the biomechanics of the body and like sure. keeping that in mind in all of our practice. Yep. This has been such a great conversation. I really do love to finish with a bit of advice sure. um, coming from your end. We spoke before about how recently there's been this hashtag on Instagram called hashtag Dear Med Student, a way to kind of give advice and assurance to med students because this is a really hard time in our lives and I think we easily forget the long-term goal. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, you know, like what would be your hashtag your med student <laughs> that's hard I mean I think for me I had a lot of good mentors that gave me a lot of good advice um, I think if you narrow it down and, and for me I kind of break it up into different levels of training so um, for, for the first two years where you guys are you're in the classroom a ton um, sometimes you can lose sight of why I went to med school why do I want to be a doctor um, so I think getting out to any clinical opportunities you can um, I was always a good quote guy. I loved having quotes, and so I always hang something on my mirror. So I see it every day, and I, you know, rehash the quote in my mind, you know, change it periodically. 
But whatever that is, whether it's a short-term goal, long-term goal, um, re always remembering kind of what got you into this place in the first place. So when you're bogged down and block whatever block you're doing and there's four or five tests that week, and you're like, oh, when is this going to get done? You know, I think trying to bring back, and, and for me, again, that quote, or having something to think about is, why am I doing this? And so I think when you have the opportunity to do some clinical outreach or some volunteer stuff in the community, that's the stuff for me that brought it back. It's like, this is why I'm doing it. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, I think as far as third and fourth year, um, trying to get as much clinical stuff as you can. And so if you're not in the clinic, whatever setting that is, whether it's ER or surgery or outpatient clinic, if you're not there, yeah, you can learn on your own. But if you're not there, you're not going to see and do stuff. And so, um, you know, for me, someone always told me, show up early and stay late and volunteer for whatever they needed you to do. So I was kind of always one of those guys that I would never had the best grades. But for me, I was, I was a hard worker. So whoever, whatever spot I was going for, if it was on an audition rotation or whatever, I was just going to outwork the other person. So I'm going to get there early, I'm going to get all my stuff taken care of, I'm going to know my patients inside and out, um, and so and I'm going to stay late, and I'm going to offer to help the residents do whatever, whatever that is, um, you know, whether it's cleaning the bedside commode or whatever, you know. Um, sometimes, you know, you got to put aside that, hey, I'm a med student, I'm a doctor, and, and be part of the team. And so. There's no job that's too big, you know. So if you're willing to do some of that stuff, people notice. And so as a result of that, it was like, hey, that that med student came up and helped out this, or that med student helped me with my note that night. So if a procedure comes up or something, they're like, hey, Rogers wants you. Have you done one of these? And so sweet, you know. Um, so if you're not there, you're not going to have those opportunities. So um, so I think really from the clinical side, you just got to be there, um, and then just be teachable, really. Um, want to have that desire to learn and, and share that with your residents, your faculty, whatever. Um, keep that inquisitive mind that got you to med school in the first place. And you know, as you go through rotations, you'll see different styles. And so trying to learn from all of the styles. Some you may not want to model yourself off. <laughs> and some you're like, oh, I love how he or she did that. So I think I learned as much from some of the faculty and docs that I rotated with what not to do as much as I did what to do. So. Um, and everybody's a little bit different on that kind of stuff, but at least modeling, looking at some of those and trying to figure out what it is. And if you're teachable, um, docs will spend extra time with you. If you ask good questions and inquisitive about stuff versus just kind of being there and going through the motions, they're going to teach you more. You're going to get more out of your rotation stuff. And that and a lot of that stuff transfers to residency stuff too and fellowship. And if you're not there, you can't learn. So. Well, this has been great, so thank you so much for yeah. taking time with me. Absolutely, thanks for having me. For more PRN, please be on the lookout. If you like this episode, tell someone about it and start up a conversation. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. I'm Chandler Davis. And this is PRN. <laughs>